And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome into another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. The draft, finally, mercifully. <laughs> how, uh, how you holding up, Nick? You get to you get any time off uh, Sunday or Monday? <sighs> Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll get time off in time, right? Like, I think that's what... I, every year when the draft ends, you're always like, I don't know what to do with myself. That's what I always always feel on that Sunday, because you um, are stuck inside for three days, wherever you're at. Um, and then the Sunday comes, and I, we went and did some things with the kids, but then, like, I still was like, uh, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I feel a little detached still from reality <laughs> after the three-week push to the to the end there. But we made it, of course. And I hope everyone enjoyed it. I think we did a hell of a job on The Athletic in general, uh, site-wide, I would say, before we get started here, Chris. Like, if you haven't yep. checked out everything across the entire site, my God, like, it's uh, it's a lot. But it's all very good. Like, we, um, that's one thing that I would say we do a very good job of. I'll pat ourselves on the back for that, for sure. All good stuff. Yeah, I, uh, my my kid's playing travel baseball this year and we got oh, Monday that's exciting Monday night we went on the road for a game and I get out there and uh we were playing uh Dave Burkett's kids team oh really <laughs> <Creeps> <laughs> Lions writer so uh we lost Burkett's kids mm. team scored scored a run and like <laughs> ran by <laughs> super excited he wasn't like taunting or anything but he scored a run and like ran past our dugout with his <laughs> <laughs> one finger in the air doing the celebration uh but here's my here's my dave briquette story from that game and people who yeah. are like no <laughs> anyway no yeah, that's, yeah, story. yeah. So, so there's two fields right next to each other uh and like you know the one games on the one my four-year-old and his little buddy like uh, from the you know one of the brothers of the kids on the team go run off on the other field they're playing and my my dad leads over he's like don't let him go too far there's like a guy just hanging out behind the other field. He had like a hoodie on and a, <laughs> a cap. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that's Dave Burkett <laughs> on the phone at his kid's game, notebook out, hiding behind the like foul pole. <laughs> You're like, don't worry about it, Dad. Like, no, I know that guy. I'm 100% sure who that is. And I know what he's doing so. right now. <laughs> Did he have like one cell phone in his mouth, another one on the yeah. ear? <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely on a work call, hundred percent taking notes. Oh, uh, that's great. So anyway, stuff, uh, yeah. that's my little Monday night story. Um, so, <laughs> so the draft, uh, we are three days, I guess, forty-eight hours or so in the rearview. Um, Lions. Uh, I mean, I think they got to feel pretty good, right? We'll get into this pick by pick and sort of go down because certainly was interesting at a lot of spots. But I, I, I mean, we've seen a lot of draft grades come in, which I know are, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, but, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> a lot of people with positive things to say about this Lions class. The Lions sounded super excited, as you know, you would expect them to. But uh, just before we get into this pick by pick, your overall impressions of how they did. 
Yeah, it was really good. I think that's just the end of it. It was just like, it's really good. Like, because the more I slice it up and you look at it and you're like, you know, um, you can, you can nitpick, I'm sure at a few things and, and we will here, uh, in a minute, but like in general, um, you know, if you just look at everything that, that they did, uh, similar to last year, it felt very familiar to me. It felt similar to the plan that we saw from them a year ago with a bit more aggressiveness and, you know, frankly, the fact that they just had more picks and I think they were able to, to address more uh, might be the reason why it stands out a bit more. But I think it's a theme here in that somebody tweeted something to me that they were a fan. Um, I can't remember the person's name now, but they were like frustrated and I understood what they were frustrated. They were frustrated because of all the little labels that people get about, oh, it's a Dan Campbell guy because he like listens to Metallica and headbangs and yells and he's like a guy who might you know be somebody who would fit the lions right and they're like i'm front you know that's that's kind of bs right that's reductive and i was like you know i understand your point because i would argue now after two drafts we could say that a brad holmes slash dan campbell guy is someone with elite athletic traits um someone that can run and someone that's going to play with toughness and probably some type of leadership layered through it right like i think that we can see where they go with a lot of these areas, and again, it makes a lot of sense. So I, we'll see where everybody, how everybody pans out. But it's hard to hate on where the value was with a lot of these picks, all the way down to like Rodriguez, right? So I mean, it was good. It was good in the areas where it needed to be good, I thought. And they give themselves a good chance here. That's that was my read, and I would sort of ask you the same thing here. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I mean, I think it was a good class. I think there's some stuff that um, we'll get into here that was kind of interesting and maybe could have gone. We thought might go a different way and. Uh, at least one or two of the picks, you know, you, as we always do, we talk about like a thousand guys leading up to this draft and then one or two of them's there when the lions are on the clock and you're like, Oh, they should absolutely pick this guy. And they right, pick someone yeah, else yeah. that's not really on the radar for you. And, um, you, you know, you kind of got to reset everything, but I think, yeah, overall you sort of look at where they needed help, you know, home Brad Holmes said it, they didn't go in thinking, Oh, we got to load up on defense. But I think the rest of us looking at it thought, well, they need to load up on yeah. defense like you got to get some help on that side of the ball and so I would think Aaron Glenn feels a lot better and I think more than like the personality types which you know it sounds like certainly that played into the Aiden Hutchinson thing and we saw them draft a ton of uh you know a ton of captains and guys would overcome adversity and all the sorts of stuff that they like but um beyond that I mean I think you look on defense especially and they got a lot of guys that you can do a bunch of different things with. And to me, that's more like that's the type that they're looking for, right? Uh, for Aaron Glenn, at least. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So let's get into this. Obviously, up top, um, Aiden Hutchinson at two. It was, as expected, Hutchinson or Thibodeau there for them. And we kind of went back and forth on this a ton. Um, and we knew they liked Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. And they were on the clock for about four seconds when they took <laughs> So I guess were you surprised at all that there wasn't that it wasn't Thibodeau or that there wasn't more of a last second debate or anything? Or is this you know I, I, like I said, we sort of uh, landed on Thibodeau. But, yeah, we did. Um, yeah. I mean I was I like surprise is probably the wrong word. Um Yeah. But because it was hard, you know, it was like, and we said that a lot where it was like, it depended on who you talk to probably. And some of it was like, whoever the last person they were talking to, but we were never really going to get the full, like, what do Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell think, you know, at the end of the day, like, what are those two guys? That was the thing we couldn't, 
really deduce or, or whatever. So it was hard to s- kind of feel it out, but a little surprised, I guess, but not really either, because I you can see exactly where why they would have loved, you know, Aiden Hutchinson for all the reasons that they said and that that we know why they love him and. Um, it just makes, I think at the end of the day, if anything, Chris, for me, it further, uh, like it further established in my mind that I really like how these guys draft because it's like, I understood a lot of the reasons why they would have liked Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe more than Aiden Hutchinson, but I also would have still picked Aiden Hutchinson every, almost every time. And, and they did. And because he's just there, he just touches more boxes. Like you just said a minute ago, like there's more things that I think you're going to be able to get out of him. And it's just not that hard of a sell, right, to to argue. And it's not to say that you're not going to get a lot out of Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau, but I think you can just get more out of Hutchinson. And at the end of the day, I think that's kind of how they draft. And I think that's smart, and it's hard to really get too upset. And that's what I said earlier. Like, it's hard to really nitpick at a lot of these picks because they're just real solid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, to me, and again, we're a lot of this we're just trying to piece together based on sort of what we know from in the building and, you know, what they're saying publicly mm-hmm. and everything. But to me, the the way I set this up, talking to people going in, was I think this was – I thought this was going to be a good test, and we talked about this too, about that idea of collaboration they talk about. Because I think Brad Holmes legitimately yeah. loved Gabon Thibodeau. Like, mm-hmm. I think he really liked him as a prospect and saw the upside and was willing to take that ride if it was there. And and then you hear, like, you know, the the football guy stuff and whatever, and we've heard Campbell talk about what they want and, you know, yeah. see some of the reaction he had to the, the pick and all that, and you understand it. But then you hear Aaron Glenn talk about pulling mm-hmm. up, like, right. whatever it was, 2019, I guess. His, yeah, his freshman tape, yeah. Uh, tape of Michigan when Hutchinson was playing like three tech stuff and showing mm-hmm. it to Campbell and being like, I can work with this guy. Give me like, let me have this yeah. guy and mold him. And so, and that's sort of what we talked about. Like this was going to be, you know, d- does Holmes just say, I, this is my, I'm making the pick. I'm taking exactly my guy. because I think that probably would have been, and I don't know a hundred percent for sure, but I think that probably would have been came on Thibodeau, frankly. And then he gets in the room with the scouts and the coaches and they're saying, all right, well, this is going to be our defense. Hutchinson gives us more in this defense. We like the upside. We like the intangibles and Holmes. I don't think he would have had Thibodeau as a runaway winner there. So maybe it was close. And he said, all right, you, this is the guy we want. Let's go get him. And that's sort of how I feel about how it played out. That it was very that that fell back on the idea of collaboration. And Brad Holmes said, "All right, I like Thibodeau, but convince me on why you like Hutchinson better." And they mm-hmm. did. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the fact that Aaron Glenn you mentioned it, the fact that Aaron Glenn was clearly involved um, in the decision, and I think that 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 was also shown uh, pretty brightly by the Lions that he was involved in the whole situation. I think that says a lot. I think that yes, you nailed it. The collaboration once again has sort of shown through here in that you're not, you know, you're not leaving the table. And they've talked about this a lot. Like we want to leave the table with everybody excited about the guys that we got. Not like half the room is stoked and half the room's like, Oh my God, like, what are we going to do with this guy? You know, like, so like, that's (laughs) not, which happens all the time. Like, you know, but like, that's not really happening here at all. And you know, it's, um, it's, it's good to see. And I think it's, it's, it's giving you a chance. Like that's the thing with these grades, you know, it's, they're not nothing, but they're also people make too much of them and you can't take them too serious. But like, there's not, there's something to be said about not being foolish with how you draft and not being crazy with how you draft. 
it made more sense to take, you know, for what they do right now as a football team and where they're going, it made more sense in every way to take Aiden Hutchinson. He answers more boxes for what they do schematically. Um, you heard um, Todd Wash, the defensive line coach there, talk yesterday, I think it was, Chris, about um, changing up some of the, uh, you know, some of the way they play blocks at the point of attack, right? They're not going to be a read front as much anymore. They're going to attack more now. Like, that's why they drafted Hutchinson. Because we you go all the way back to when we talked to Aaron Glenn last May, and he's like, look, we're going to play split safeties the whole time, and we're just going to have guys up front that can just seal and crash and cause chaos so these guys can run and fill. And it's like, okay, that sounds great, but you have zero on the roster that can do that. <laughs> like, remember, that's what I was thinking at the time. It's like you don't have one guy on the team that can do any of the things <laughs> right. Right. that you're requiring for your defense. Now they do, right? Aiden... Josh Bashal, uh, Levi Anzariki, if he takes another step, you know, you can see it now. And so, made a lot of sense. It's not something where we're left scratching our heads. It's never something, even if it's a guy that they take where we're like, well, we, maybe we'd like that guy better. But I understand why they took him, you know. And, and that is ultimately, I think, that when we talk about every pick, like, that's where we land on it most of the time with these guys through two drafts. And I think that's pretty good. And I think that it's important not to get too carried away with the grades, but, you know, they're not being foolish or careless with how they draft, and I think that's important as well. Yeah, I mean, the thing you mentioned with Todd Wash there, I think, you know, talking with, uh, I think it was Mike O'Hara at the Lions site there about yeah. not being a read front anymore, being more aggressive, being more attacking. And I think most Lions fans and us too hearing that are probably, finally, man, all right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's about time. And Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you look at the guys that they they brought in, and you look at Hutchinson and like certainly the best parts of Aleem McNeil's game and Levi Onzarike's game in college were when you just turn them loose and let them split a gap and get after things. And so if they're going to be that more often, um, I think that's great. I think that helps with uh, with Michael Brockers too and sort of how yep. you might use uh, Julian Alcora, all these things. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, Hutchinson, it's hard to really – it's hard to really criticize the pick. I mean, you can argue if you think he's going to be an elite pass rusher at any point in your right, career, yes. but I think it at minimum you're getting a guy who's going to be a three down player, and I, I mean, I think he'll get his sacks. I mean, I think he's going to get be more of a pass rusher than it. it we sort of talk in extremes when we lead up to the draft, and you'd say, "Well, Thibodeau's got the yeah got the upside as a pass rusher." So Hutchinson. Like it's this just guy, gonna be there. And look, it's not like, really <laughs> one or the other. There's room in the middle there. And I think you right. saw um you know the development of, of his repertoire and everything, and he understands how to use his hands. That's what I I uh did the draft show Fox uh two draft special um Thursday night with Dan Miller and TJ Lang, and Dan asked TJ, you know, does it matter if a guy has short arms? Like how much did you feel that? And you know, TJ's reaction was like well if if the guy plays with violent hands right it doesn't matter how long his arms are because he's gonna make you feel his presence in there and i think that you see that from hutchinson you certainly see it from josh pascal too like they got guys that do the things they want to do and i think the hutchinson pick makes a ton of sense like you said it just it's hard to really find too much fault in it i think this year's draft, especially with the edge, gave me a chance to like re-set uh, myself a little bit of how we think of that position because we get caught up sometimes with the pass rush, like the experts, the great ones, the guys who can really bend it and let's holy shit, this guy's getting 20 sacks a year and nobody can figure him out, right? But I think that there's something to be, and we knock, and with that, we knock the guy who gets the effort sacks 
Uh, you know, not on purpose, but we do. Like, Jermaine Johnson was a great example, and Karloftis is another one this year. Guys that were clearly first-round picks, and they went in the first round. Jermaine Johnson fell, but they're not high-ceiling pass rushers in terms of, like, what we call, you know, Kayvon is a guy who has, like, eight moves, you know, a set, a move set, a plan, a rush plan, all this stuff. Like, whereas Karloftis and Jermaine Johnson are just guys that just, like, they just crush you. They just punch you in the chest and knock you over and then just run and chase and keep going over and over and over. There were a lot of guys in this class that could do that. Aiden Hutchinson's the best. He's the best. He's the best at just, like, grinding out plays and finishing. You play 17 games in the NFL. So I would think over 17 games, this guy who plays through a lot of injuries and everything else is going to be able to rack up enough sacks to justify, you know, the pass rush part of it because... I think sometimes we get caught up in that, right? Like, I don't know. Do you agree? Like, we get caught up in the savviness of it. And and I think that there's part of that that's, yes, that makes a, an elite prospect sometimes. But sometimes I do fall back to the Matt Patricia school of like, man, sometimes it's just about if you can punch a guy in the chest and make and leave a dent, like, you're going to get sacks and you're going to make plays. And there's nobody better in this class at, on the edge of taking on more and just finishing through everything than... Than Hutchinson, he plays through the smoke and everything else better than anybody, and I think he'll make more plays, and that you'll feel in the long run of a season, right? Than than other guys. And at the end of the day, I think you look up and say, "Oh yeah, he had twelve sacks too." I think that's the kind of the kind of player you know he's going to end up being. I would think. I don't know. Do you disagree on that before we move on? But like final thoughts on Aiden? I no, guess I, I would agree, and I think that's an important point because how many games did they? Have they even over the last like four or five years just gotten to the fourth quarter and then gotten picked? Yeah, up they're out of gas. You know. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen with him. Like he, you're, no. you're right. He's going to be taking it the other direction. I think that's huge. You've got to have guys that are going to be there, sixty plays into it defensively, giving you the same effort you got on play one. And I, you know, that's a huge part of this too. So I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, I. Yeah, we talked about Thibodeau a lot. I think Thibodeau would have been fine. This is also the thing that we said. Like you are in, an, if Trayvon, assuming Trayvon Walker goes one, or maybe even if Trayvon Walker doesn't go one, mm-hmm. you're in a pretty good spot there. You're yeah, either right. Hutchinson or Thibodeau, <laughs> and if Hutchinson goes one, you're getting Trayvon Walker or Thibodeau, and it's similar discussion there probably. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that they were, could have really gone wrong there, and I think Hutchinson will. I, my hunch is he'll probably win over a lot of the people who are critical of this pick just by how hard he plays because we know yeah, his how effort. much yeah. fans here gravitate towards guys who just never quit. And so I think that that'll help a lot. You there know, will be more than that at number two, but I think that will help. Before we move on to Jameson, there will be Michigan State fans by the end of two years that, that are <laughs> they're buying Aiden Hutchinson jerseys. You can mark it down. Not all of them, but there'll be some all of them. Right. Yeah. Not Ohio State fans, but Michigan State fans will appreciate it. He's a good player. <laughs> Moving on. Jamison right. Williams. Yeah, so now, Jameson, we talked about man. the trade, Chris. How surprised were you? Let me ask you this. Because we did. We talked about the possibility of a trade a couple weeks ago. We'd heard a few things. When they did it, I want to get your reaction of when they traded. Were you surprised that they traded? And then what did you think they were going to do? Well, that's the thing. We had heard they might trade up. Right. I wasn't thinking receiver at the time, personally. Correct. Um, I, and I and I say that uh, mentioning that we you know we did the like beat writer mock draft where everyone uh, makes a pick for the team that they cover. And <laughs> yeah. I was talking to you as that was going, and the receivers were sliding to like sixteen, seventeen, and it's like I'm gonna try and make a move. Yeah. It was. I think it was Garrett Wilson. It was like I'm it was Wilson. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson. And I just couldn't do it. 
I couldn't pull the trigger on it, but there was a point there where you were looking at it and saying, all right, well, if you want to get a guy who's going to be a game changer for you, there's sort of a limit here. And we really like, like we both really like Christian Watson a lot. Um, yeah. And there were some uh, like Sky Moore in the second round. Pickens mm-hmm. went, uh, where the Packers? Second round. Or Steelers, right? Steelers, um, yeah. Oh, God, they got uh, Austin, too. Kelvin Austin and... Uh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so there were a lot of guys there. Dotson, but, like, yep. Dotson went 16. He did. And uh, Traylon Burks went 18. So you were mm-hmm. seeing that board unfold. As soon as Drake London went 8, you were starting to think, all right, well, this is not... this. They're not going to make it to 30. No, they're not going to make it. These guys are yeah. not going to be there. And so either you're going into the second tier of them or you got to make a move up. And so... uh. I didn't know, even as they made the trade, like you were thinking, all right, well, Williams is there. Maybe that's who it is. But Kyle Hamilton was there. Yeah. The quarterbacks were there, which I didn't think it was for no. a quarterback, but certainly that's usually what happens in round one. Is guys, teams will go up for a quarterback. Kyle Hamilton was the one to me that, based on some of the things we'd heard coming out of there, that it might be a defensive back if they went up for him. Um, yeah. Hamilton was the one that sort of jumped out. And you say, all right, well, that's that fits what they need. Um, yeah, I don't the know. guy. What are you thinking? So I mean, now that the draft's over, I don't care. The guy that they liked was Stingley. The guy that they wanted to fall was Derek Stingley. And he went three, and, he went three. and like you know, uh, Deontay Lee, of course, had Stingley as his corner, his, his top corner, and made a huge thing about it, and stood on the, on a died on a hill, and ended up being correct because I think a lot of people blew smoke, and Sauce went top five too. But I think a lot of people were trying to blow smoke to get Stingley to fall. So when we saw that those guys weren't going to fall, that's when I thought, okay, I still wonder if they're going to do it. And then Hamilton was the one I did wonder about where it's like, and then when they didn't take Hamilton, there was a reaction that I had was like, they're just never going to take us. <laughs> I had this like weird, like, yeah, I like Jamison right. Williams, but I was like, well, whatever. They're just never going to take a safety then. What the hell are they doing? Because I was like, that's <laughs> in my mind. Originally, that was my gut reaction. Honest right. to God. My first, like, what are they doing? Kyle Hamilton sitting right there. He's just never going to take a safety. And then I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, you know what? That's not like Jameson Williams is terrific value right there. If his health goes where you want, then they ended up addressing safety later in the draft that we'll talk about. But like my original thought of course was Hamilton, but yeah, I mean all those receivers right there. I don't, I think they still could have gotten Olave, right? Or was he off the board by then? Olave went right before the Olave okay, went so, 11 to the yeah. Saints. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, uh, that was the other thing. It was like, if they do want to take a receiver there, I'm not going to hate that either. So, yeah, it was a weird one, for sure. Not surprising, but also surprising. It was it, weird. Well, it was, yeah. And this is also another example, I think, of... <laughs> and I, I'm always sort of hesitant to say this stuff because we want people to <laughs> pay attention to what we're saying from July, January to April, but I think this was another example of where, you know, some of the things that we sort of hinted at along the way, but never really fully leaned into, but it kind of played out. You know, we talked about, like, Olave was a guy that some people were saying, well, maybe the Lions will get a shot at him at 32. <laughs> and I think we even had a mock in, like, February where we, where we looked at him down there. And yeah. as you got deeper into this class and closer to the draft, just like, there's just, there's no way. No there's way. no way yeah. Chris Olave is getting to 32. And so I think this is one of those things, you know, reading – um Hearing Holmes talk, seeing what he said to Dave to, to Dave Burkett about you know when they got this trade in place, like they had a very good grasp on when this run was going to happen. They were talking to teams in this range, uh, 
to move up and get someone. And so they really were on it. You got, I mean, and again, if I think you can probably nitpick if you want to, like what they gave up, which I think they did pretty well in the return. I think that was solid. Yeah. Nitpick what they gave up or what position they took. But this was a guy that they really, really wanted. They figured out exactly where he was going to go. And they made a move within the division to go get him. And so I, I think, you know, you got to give Brad Holmes credit for for sort of seeing through the seeing through the trees there and figuring out how this was going to play out. And I, and I almost wondered, too, if they snaked him from Philadelphia. Like, I almost wondered if Philly was trying to go up to get him. And they ended up getting, uh, what they get, Davis? Jordan, Jordan Davis? Davis? Which, you know. That's not bad. I, w- <laughs> I wondered I wondered if Philly was going to get Jameson and the Lions jumped up to get him, to your point, like you're talking about, because that's exactly what happened. That's how the board sort of unfolded. And, yeah, I mean, look, his second level, you know, wiggle and ability to separate is no one else in the class has that. I mean, Jameson right. Williams can get 20 yards down the field and then go to a throttle that you're like, what the hell is this? What what is what is going on here? Like this is a completely different situation. So if he gets his body back to, you know, where it was, I still think he's the guy of those three. I I call him Ohio State receivers because I was actually talking to Jack Ebling yesterday on his show, a uh, longtime Michigan State writer up there, who says he's got a picture in his office of uh, Jameson Olave and Garrett. Uh, Wilson all celebrating in Spartan Stadium <laughs> with Ohio State, but of all those Ohio State receivers, and they were all together, I thought Jamison had the least amount of like polish, but maybe the the most top end of where he's going to yeah. go. You know what I mean? So like, really good value, and you can't you can't hate it because he's going to be a guy like Aiton and like some of the other guys. No matter what you do with the offense going forward, he's going to be able to fit and do well and make plays for you. So great pick. You can't hate that at all. And the Lions have not had this guy. I mean, I think DJ Shark can be a good no. good receiver, and certainly Amon Ra was great last year, and Josh Reynolds showed some promise, but they have not had, like, this type of catch-and-run ability is freakish. It helps like, everybody, too. It helps everybody. Yeah. Oh, sure. But, like, yeah. I mean, other than, like, Calvin Johnson, like, <laughs> you know, right. someone who can catch it and just outrun just angles go. the way yeah. that he does – uh, they have not had that type of guy. And you're right. I think it opens it up. This is the type of player that they've been talking about. You know, we always talk about the X receiver and always mention the physical prototypes, but this is what Dan Campbell wants to be able mm. to punch people in the mouth up front, run the football, and then hit them over the top every once in a while. Yeah. So yeah. here you go. That's it. And I mean, <laughs> the impact the impact that Jamison will have on Amon Ross St. Brown, giving him more room, and TJ Hawkinson – um, both those guys, giving them more room, you know, being able to run off people and being able to force teams to cover you differently. And it's just going to open up. It will open up space for your for two guys who are really good at getting open, who if you could give them a little bit more room, you know what I mean? Like maybe that could really take off. So if you look at the full picture with what the Lions do offensively, you like the pick even better. So yeah, my original initial reaction was like, uh, like irrational anger. <laughs> And then I was like, well, you know what? That's like, whatever. You're supposed that, to do that's a with pretty. The draft. <laughs> yeah. But that lasted like five seconds, 10 seconds. And I was like, actually, that's a really good pick. So, yeah, great pick. You're not worried at all about the fact that he didn't smile enough in his press conference? No, no, I don't, I don't give a shit. No, Jameson, uh, I think he said uh, TMZ interviewed him and he said they were like, who won the draft? And he's like, the Lions. <laughs> so I was like, okay, he fits. Like, he said, the Lions are the draft winners on day one for drafting him and uh, Aiden Hutchinson. So, pretty good stuff. People uh, will like him. He's good. Player. Yeah. Yeah. And like 
on the press conference stuff, like some people just don't like doing the press conferences. Which is no, fine. They're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I right. don't care. Uh, Most and I also, people, I would say, don't like doing the press conferences. Right. Yeah, right. And I also think like he watched Wilson and Olave go 10-11 right before him. Maybe he thought he was going to New Orleans. I don't know. There might have been some frustration there. I'm sure there was like there's always an adjustment period. Like I don't I can tell it you for a fact Amon Ra too. wasn't like, oh, sweet. I get to go to Detroit after living in California my whole life. Like I can tell you for a fact Amon Ra wasn't like that's exactly the team right. I wanted. But then he got also- here and he worked his ass off and he loves it here now. <laughs> and it's I think it's fine. It takes And they love like, him. Yeah. Yeah. Just you get drafted and your life changes. In. Like right. people have to understand we talk to these guys or they put them available like twenty minutes after they're drafted. Okay. <laughs> it's not like an hour or two hours or ten hours. It's like twenty minutes. It's like twenty minutes, maybe a half hour after their life has changed. So like forgive him if he's not like <laughs> That is, you know, with bells on, I would say, because that needs to be taken into account, too, with some of this stuff, I would say. And even the presser in in Allen Park, like, they, who knows how he celebrated after the pick, but he's in Las Vegas, so I'm sure they celebrated. And then they (laughs) fly in the morning, cross country to Detroit, (laughs) they throw him up on stage. Yeah, like, give (gasps) a guy a minute. Uh, So, okay, so... The reason, <laughs> and this is, it's hard to, you know, you don't want to do too much in hindsight because the Lions went up, they got their guy, that's who they wanted. It's hard to sit and say, all right, maybe the board will fall exactly the way we wanted it to. But right. the picks they gave away, the earliest picks they gave away, 32 and 34, wound up being Lewis Seen and Christian Watson. And so you certainly had some people coming out of that day saying, what, why didn't we just do that? Just get yeah. those guys. <laughs> That's what we needed anyway. We needed a wide receiver. It needed a safety. Could have just sat there and took them. So now after, okay, we talked about our reaction at 12. Let's say what your reaction was at 34. When you see that they could have sat at 32 and gotten Lewis Seen probably. And right. then Christian Watson or whichever, you know, one of these, we mentioned these other receivers like Watson, uh, Pickens. I think John Mechie went in the second. Uh, yeah, Sky Moore, yeah. Alec Pierce. Right. So they could have gotten a receiver. They could have gotten Seen or Jalen Petrie and a receiver. It wasn't the receiver so much for me, though. It was the safety because right. it's like, Same. I don't care. Like, to me, it's like, if you're going to get a receiver, if you're going to draft a receiver, frankly, at this point, the way that it's gone and we keep talking about it. And I, know I had people in my mentions, oh, you guys talk about nobody paid. Have you seen the offseason? I mean, anybody, you know, no, I have. People aren't paying. I know where this is going. Like, you know what I mean? You can get a lot of good football players. But that said, if you want a top-end guy, I would just go get him. Like, I would be more worried about the safety. So, seen is the one, and that's where probably most of my initial, like, uh, what are they doing here? Was because I was like, I think they can sit there and wait and get him. You know, and it's like... Uh, if uh, and I almost like I was like if they trade up and maybe they could have kept thirty four somehow I don't know if I, that was like I, that was going to feel impossible to do that was kind of the other thing too where I was like I I just kept like unless they take a defensive player with the trade up I was like man they're going to give up a lot with that safety and I still wonder you know that is still something I wonder about and I think that's still something going forward you know Kirby Joseph's a really nice player and an exciting prospect for a lot of reasons. But not he's not Lewisine. He's not Lewisine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 
you know, and that's uh, God. I mean, honest to God, I mean, I would have, I wouldn't have hated if they traded up to like fifteen and drafted him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't have bothered me. Like, I just he fits a need and everything else, and and maybe that's just me being too much in my own head on one guy, and maybe they didn't like him. But like, that was my initial reaction. Yeah, it was like you're going to give up a lot with the safety here, or you're going to risk a lot with the safety, and then. But also, I think it's fair to point out, as we've talked about a little bit, you and I, you know, there's a lot of faith here in Aubrey Pleasant. Um, and Aaron Glenn, and I think that uh, that should be pointed out too. So, I would I would say that that's uh, something to be noted with with how that whole thing maybe plays out. And I think some of this probably goes back to what Brad Holmes knows he can do well. Safety is a position he's found. Right, he yeah. will find. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, not as much last year, <laughs> granted, but mm-hmm. uh, safety is a position he's found. Like Kirby Joseph. Where they took him with a compensatory pick in round three, the type of player he is, that's right in the mm-hmm. wheelhouse for a guy exactly that what they need. you circle and say, "All right, well, he's going to develop." That's that's who right. the Lions wanted. They liked him. like that's perfect. Wide receiver is a little tougher because if you want that top guy, especially right now, as we've seen, they loved Allen Robinson. They were in that Allen Robinson conversation. They didn't want to give him the money he ended up getting. You cannot get a wide receiver now for less than like twenty million a year if you want yeah. one of the elite guys. Right. And they got Shark for the one year ten million dollar deal. So I think it makes sense in that regard to go up for the receiver and get like the difference between like again, we like Christian Watson, but if Jamison Williams is what Jamison Williams can be. Yeah, he's way better. That's like a I mean, he could be one of the best receivers. In football, frankly, yeah. if he's healthy. he's game changing if he's if he's all the way where he's at. Whereas, like he's and and again, Christian Watson, great player, great prospect, but like you saw the comps, he's like Valdez Scantling. That's the kind. He's not, you know, I mean, great player, but like not what we're talking about here necessarily. So yeah, agree. So, I think that 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 I guess that's the only point I wanted to make there. Like I think that from in terms of what we know about Brad Holmes from coming from LA and the types of things he prioritizes. Not only in the draft, but in terms of like building out a roster, I think that all made sense. Yeah, Lewis seen that one's going to hurt, and especially because he went to Minnesota. Yeah, you're not going to have to <laughs> look far to see Watson him. And went to Green, to Bay. Green Bay, but the scene one, <laughs> like you know, Lewis scene's going to make a play. On the yeah, Lions. he's going to be a really good player. <laughs> yeah, he's just—I mean, he's going in the Vikings Ring of Fame if he stays there. I mean, like that's a sec—that's a such, second contract guy if he doesn't get hurt, and that's, that's such just, a good fit for him too. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and we've talked about it so many times, and it's just that's why teams like the Ravens always find a way because yeah. you know they took Kyle Hamilton, but like you know, there's value in those positions because we don't see a lot of sturdy ones come out of college like that. Right. You know, they just don't come out of college. So I don't know, but hey, teach their own. Like you said, develop, you know, Holmes trusting his eye, but also that's another collaborative thing too. Cause I have to think that even with the corner, how they, how they've addressed corners in the draft, that they're trusting their staff in certain areas to develop some guys too. Uh, so they, I said, they come out of, uh, that trade and still end up with a mid second rounder is still at 46. Uh, yeah, that was big. Josh Pascal there. Uh, that's another one where you, cause I think the one, the names that, well, Jaquan Brisker really was the one at that point. I think that we were all thinking, well, maybe it's going to be him. Uh, cause he went 
two picks later to the Bears. So they're all in the division. Everyone's in the division. Uh, but that was the one where, all right, they still have a shot at this guy who we've talked about at 32 and 34. That's a need. And they went Josh Pascal, who's a really, really good football player. And I think in this defense, certainly could be something. But um, I guess the conversation is there, you know, best player on your board versus what you need or how close that well, conversation was. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wasn't as surprised, I don't think, at the Pascal pick. Or Pashal. I don't know how you pronounce Josh's name, but like Rascal. Rascal. We Rascal. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. So I wasn't as surprised by that because I I sort of resigned myself to be like, well, Holmes is going to wait on a safety. He's not taking Brisker. He's going to wait on a guy that they have found later, and they're going to take what they have deemed to be more premium in terms of you can get somebody up here in the edge that's versatile, that can create shock at the line of scrimmage that we can't coach. I can't coach punch. You know what I mean? Or, or like violence in a punch. Like you can't. So I got that. I, that makes a lot of sense. It's the same. It's similar to when they backed or they doubled up with Levi and uh, McNeil last year. I get it because this is a guy, uh, rascal here, uh, that can play multiple positions, I would think, up front for you, either side defensively on uh, as an end. And I think he's a little bit like if you put 15, 20 pounds on him, he's suddenly Deshaun Handish to me. So, um, not surprising at all, and I think a guy that really fits a ton with what they want to do and also checks the third box of, you know, this is a uh, cancer survivor, correct? Uh, two-time captain, I believe, something like this, uh, and just a great three-time. dude all the way around. Three-time captain, which you never, three-time captain, which you never see, and just a great dude all the way around. So, like, he, this guy fits everything. And so, you know, that wasn't surprising at all. I would have to think he was one, and I think Holmes admitted this after, that was probably screaming off his board, like, we have to take this guy. Like, we have to take this guy, right? So, not surprising at all. That seems like a great fit. I mean, I think he fits a lot of what they want to do up front, too. And we'll see how they yeah. use him. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, certainly, you would think he'd get in there. Well, I don't know. Do you think he'll play on three downs? Do you think he's a run defender to start, and then they we'll figure see. out the rest of it? Yeah, I don't know. I Like, I'm interested to see how much more weight his body will or hold. vice versa, I guess. Yeah. yeah, like, how much more his frame can hold. Um, and what they kind of want, yeah, what they morph him into, I suppose. Cause like, for me, it's like, he seems like his best value would be if you get a little more weight on him, he's a heavy end. And then like, maybe he can slide inside and rush yeah. from a three tech or something too. Um, but just be a guy who is another one who just like, and now again, it's another guy that you insert into the defense, just plays his ass off. He just runs to the ball always, you know, how many more guys? That's like the whole defense now. It's it's a theme here that you're seeing that you're seeing building. Another guy that just will run to the ball and he's never, you know, Charles Harris, that's why they like him. He you know, he's never killed on a play. He just always keeps going. And I think Pas- you know, Pascal's a guy that fits a lot of boxes but also with the intangible stuff uh, as much as anybody that they've drafted in this class, he seems to fit all of those. Yeah, and Holmes talked about the way Holmes talked about him, it sounded like they probably envisioned him like you're talking about, especially yeah. as an interior rusher. And maybe you get, you know, I, I mentioned on Twitter, like I could see certainly you roll out the like NASCAR package with Hutchinson mm-hmm. and Pascal and Harris, one of the yeah. Okoras, maybe both of the Okoras. Maybe and you both. Just throw a ton of athleticism and, and out there and let teams deal with it. So, um, and I think the other thing as we both tweeted about this on Monday, I think, I, part of this might be, I don't know that Romeo Cora is going to be ready for week one. And so if he's yeah, not yeah. ready, this gives you another guy who can help you in the ways that 
you'd sort of slot in Romeo Okora, I think. So mm-hmm. I don't know that right. you draft a second round pick just for weeks one through six of the 2022 season, but I think it helps. But I think it also speaks to sort of like, and we've talked a lot about linebacker and how there was depth at linebacker and there were linebackers there at, uh, at that pick too, that they could have taken, but you know, they got value at linebacker by waiting. And I think that it speaks to the value in modern football. And I think, again, this is why we both sort of end up liking most of Brad Holmes's picks is that he drafts with sort of where the game is going, not where it's been or where it was in mind. And you can't coach what these edge guys can give you. And you, so in some ways you can't have enough of them if they're versatile and can play multiple positions and can fill multiple, you know, wear multiple hats, I guess, up front for you and defend the run and impact the pass and impact multiple things at once. Like that's just stuff that you can't coach and manufacture. So they seem to understand that. And it's hard to argue with that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. They did give up 66 in that trade, which went, you know, Minnesota held on to it, took Brian Asamoah, Asamoah, I'll reset Asamoah, yeah, I don't know. I can't pronounce anyone's name. Uh, from Oklahoma nice player, 66. Yeah. yeah, good player. I liked him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. 97, Kirby Joseph, they rounded out day two. Uh, he's an interesting prospect because he had a hard time cracking and then staying in that Illinois lineup. And then once he did, kind of took off. And again, you sort of look at what he is and the types of things he can do and it looks like it fits. You could see a way for him to be on the field immediately in their three safety sets with Tracy Walker, Deshaun Elliott. But um, I don't know. What'd you think of that one to wrap day two? Yeah, that was good. I mean, that was, that was exactly sort of what they need, I think, you know, and it was like, that was a little bit of like, okay, you know, that, that, <laughs> that makes more sense. Now it's a little, you know, I get it a little bit more, you know, he's got, it's the type of, uh, you know, frame, size, play style, whatever you want, like a guy that will fit next to, Tracy Walker, um, that can compliment him, that's not the same player as him, that can, you know, go up and be physical and, and do some of the things that where Tracy excels, he can maybe ex- excel in some other areas. So I, I looked at that as like, that's a really good compliment to a guy that they've already invested in. And we'll see what happens with Elliot. But like you said, the guy that could also maybe come in and not have to rush, 
either and not have the world thrown at him. Like we all, we always think back to, you know, what happened to Will Harris after that, you know, digs trade and suddenly he's thrown into the deep end of the pool and he's drowning and, you know, who knows what that did to him as a player, right? So like, I think that's to be noted too. Like Kirby Joseph is a guy that was a bit of a late, you know, I don't know if I'd call him a late bloomer, but a late whatever to attach and be a guy that stuck. And, you know, he doesn't have to come in and just be a guy that's immediately the answer right now. And and the Lions, I think, do a nice job of that with their roster of like finding these guys that can be bridges if they need to be bridges, but if they don't, they don't. And I think linebacker's another one. Anzalone remains a bridge, but if those two young guys pass him, that's how it's gonna be. And that's that's is what it is. So um I see a lot of that with Joseph, and that's a that's a nice fit there too. Um, as we were talking about, um, you know, sort of what they might do at certain picks, uh, Channing Tindall was there, Leo Chanel was there, um, right. Jeremy Ruckert, Kate Otten were there, I guess, if you wanted to go, uh, tight end. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I thought certainly the way the draft had fallen, I figured they were going safety or linebacker at that spot. I don't have any problem with the Kirby Joseph pick. I think he'll be a nice player for them. And, um, they, does that address the need enough, I guess? Because that's one of the questions I've gotten now after the draft. Like, if could they go into the season with Walker, Elliott, Joseph, Will Harris, I guess, uh, if he's playing safety, um, you know, C.J. Moore, Juju Hughes, who's everywhere else is back there. Like, do they have enough now, or do they have to go get a veteran somewhere I between think- now and July? I think it's okay. Uh, I mean, you got Elliot in there, right? I think it's not going to be great. <laughs> it's not going to be good or whatever, okay? Like, it's still going to be... It's still going to be a work in progress. But, like, Malafon, Wu, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Like, he fits somewhere in there. I still don't know what they're going to do with Okuda, right? So, like, they've, they've got these, like, bodies back there who can kind of... And I just don't see a situation where there's a lot of pressure on any... Maybe one person. And maybe you can sort of, like, let some guys grow and make mistakes... But also, like, you don't have to, if a guy is a mess, you don't have to stick with that guy. Like, you don't have, you'll have choices. Does that make any sense? Like, I think they'll have a couple guys that are in similar situations that can compete, and you'll see who maybe rises above and, and is the best developmental prospect there. But I like the mix there. I, I'm okay. Like, I, I like that they've told Tracy Walker, you're a veteran, you're a piece of the building now, and, like, act like it and go lead these guys. And I think he will. And I think that's good too. So I like sort of where they're at. And I, I don't think they need to go add. I don't know. Would you agree with that? I, mean, I don't think they need to add. I think that let now you're at a spot, let those guys go play and, and see what happens. I wouldn't be opposed to adding one more veteran. I'd like to see what Elliot can do. Cause I think he's yeah. a nice player. If he's healthy, like it, it's a big if, but if he's healthy, I think he's a nice player and he'd fit sort of certainly the mentality that they like on defense. So, um, and I would say too, just the last point on Joseph, he could be a really, really good special teams player for them, oh, as yeah, I right. think Malcolm Rodriguez could be. We'll get to him in a minute. But that that certainly matters as you get closer to day three and then deep into day three. Uh, Kirby Joseph is a guy who I would expect to see on all their coverage units right away. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's a bonus for you, I guess. Um, I don't Then uh, there was a big gap there. They 80 picks. Um <laughs> Uh, James Mitchell at 177 to end round five. We talked about their need for a tight end. He's an interesting one because he's more of a pass catching tight end and he's coming off an ACL, but you can see that there's oh, yeah. something there if it works. <laughs> yeah, they're going to mess with him, I think. I think they're going to put some weight or power or something on him because 
Um, he is really like bendy and can get under people and has that like athletic recovery that we that we talk about with uh, tackles that can get up on linebackers and if you can fall off, you know, can you not fall off when you get to the second level? And this is a guy who like can get wide and be a guy on those wide zones who can block. I think he could be a great compliment to Hawkinson actually. Like if he if he continues to grow and add strength and, you know, shape his body the right way, he's giving you pass catching value, but he's also a guy that like you just said like he could be sneaky if he changes his body in the right ways just enough, right? Like it keeps growing. He could be a sneaky, really good blocker. Like, cause you don't need to be this big hulking, like guy that looks like an offensive tackle. If you have that, you can sink and bend and get under a guy and recover and not fall off. And I, he's really good at that. So I think that there's a lot of, you know, kind of a, I don't know. That was a really good pick too. I, that was a, a surprisingly good pick to me. That one kind of caught me off guard. I don't know why, but like this tight end class did not overwhelm me this year. And it was a lot of projecty guys, but this one yeah. I liked a lot. This one seemed to really, I don't know. There's a, it's a long way to go. I mean, he could get the shit kicked out of him a little bit in camp next year, I guess. But like, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where it's at. But like, I like the I like the high end there. Well, that's another spot too where I could see them bringing in one more guy. Yes, certainly. I definitely um, think they'll bring another guy there. Yeah. Yeah, because I just don't like Mitchell. Like I said, he's coming off the ACL. He sounds like he's going to be ready, but you never know. Um, and I don't and know he how much still needs him. to. Yeah, right, right. And you and like you said, he's not he's not ready to go step in and be your number two tomorrow, even if he is healthy. Like you, you're going to need to do some work there. But I think there's some upside, and it's another guy who's going to if he's on the field together with Hawkinson. Like you could run the ball, sure, but if you want to send both of them on yeah. vertical routes, like. How are you going to cover those guys? <laughs> and then what are you going to leave yeah. underneath? Like, I think it's another guy that can help you open some things up. So, yeah, I mean, I like that. I thought they might go just looking at the board. Like, Darian Beavers was still there. It was a guy like yep. talk about a uh, linebacker. I thought they might go him. But, yeah, they needed a tight end some point in this draft. And I, I don't know that they could have waited really much longer and gotten anyone who was going to help in the near future. So, I like that pick. And then I mentioned Rodriguez was – uh what was he, 11 picks later in round mm-hmm. six? And, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've heard, like, Dane Brugler has <laughs> – I had my buddy – one of my buddies texted me the other day and asked if Dane Brugler had a uh, Malcolm Rodriguez fat head on his wall <laughs> because he's <laughs> talked about Rodriguez so much as one of his favorites in this class and a day three guy. Like, he could step in and compete for a job. And uh, I know you've watched him. When like, what we, do you, What do you when, think? When we were in the middle of the 80 pick oasis for the Lions, uh, in that like long whatever, yeah, um, yeah. who did I slack you and say, uh, yeah, who do you who do you think uh, you watch much of Malcolm pick. Rodriguez? He's <laughs> he is perfect. He's the best. I think he's the most value pick in, that they had in the draft. Like he's he's and they waited and it's like it really made me again. There was moments in this draft where I was like, let's see what they're doing. And then when they took him, I was like, okay, like that's really good because this guy is exactly the type of guy that I think the Lions staff is so good at identifying. Like he's part, he's got a little bit of that island of misfit toy in him because he's like five eleven or whatever, and I don't know what he weighs, but it's not much. But I put him on the like top mid round guys in the Power Five leagues um, back in like early April because this guy runs all over the damn yeah. place yep. and tackles absolutely everything. What do you add? Like 140 something tackles last year. Safety. He's a former safety. 
um, I think, right? Former safety or receiver or something like this. Like I yep. played defensive back earlier in his life. Um, so he understands how to read the run in ways that Derek Barnes instinctively is still learning and he can run like Derek Barnes. So like, I don't care about the measurables or anything else. This is the type of guy you wait on at stack linebacker. That's really good value. And I agree with Dane, like he's going to compete and push Derek Barnes for time in camp right away. Special teams guy right away too, but I would not be shocked at all if this guy's playing, you know, next year pretty quickly. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. He's a really good football player. Yeah, uh, safety. Yeah, safety. Strong safety to linebacker. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I his stats: like 130 tackles, 16 and a half for loss, three sacks, four forced fumbles, five pass breakups. He had a pick. Like he was just he's everywhere, and he played yeah. 600. He's uh, never gets tired. 530 yeah. snaps on special teams <laughs> in his career. Like he. And this is another guy you talk about. Like, what's this going to look like in the fourth quarter? What's this going to look like in December? That dude is not going to – he's going to get yeah. to the building in a week and At a half. 5 a.m. For rookie yeah. minicamp and just never stop running until the season's over. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. Like, he's uh, he's not the same build. He's certainly – you know, he's three inches and, like, 30 or 40 pounds lighter. But, like, when we talked about Chad Muma and, like, why we liked him mm-hmm. – um, I see some of that stuff just like how where did that guy come from on that play like how did exactly. he get in position to make that play and I think uh yeah I mean I think that some of that was the problem for Derek Barnes the diagnosis stuff exactly. last year like he's a former I, running not, back right just like not he, seeing yeah. it as well mm-hmm. and Rodriguez is a guy who he might get there there's going to be some times where a guard gets up to the second level and probably just mm-hmm. puts him on his ass a little bit but he's going to He's going to figure out where the ball is going and get in position to make a play. And that that alone is probably going to get him some playing time. I want everybody to go back and read the story that Chris and I wrote last year about Aaron Glenn's um, – well, I think it was when we talked to him about Anzalone. Um, and he talked about what he wants his linebackers to be able to do. And when we talked to him about Anzalone – and he said, the reason why I signed Alex or why, why I wanted him and nobody else wants him because he's got the shoulder and he can't take on guys, I don't care. Because if we get the right guys up front that seal and take care of those guards, they won't have to fight with him. So he'll just run around him. And like, that's exactly, it's a perfect fit. There's a reason why. And if you go back and like live do it, all the draft uh, experts on Twitter who all gave the Lions A pluses, they all did it after they took Malcolm Rodriguez. Because after that pick, everybody was like, oh my, okay, this is a really good draft. That's a yeah. perfect fit for everything they want to do defensively. Everything they want to do defensively, and they waited on him. And you could tell that this is a guy they probably had pegged far earlier and waited. And like that's why I think the Lions, it, it's fair to be optimistic about how they're building the team. And like, that's a question Chris and I get a lot. Like, you know, we've heard all this before and it's fair, you know, that you have heard all this before, but they are building it. Like smart people would build a football team. That's the best way I could say it. I don't know how else to say it. Like as we go through the draft year, you're sensing a theme. There's not many bad picks. Like there's just good value across the board. And to me, this was the best and most value pick or whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, across the whole thing. I will say I'm, 
not to like overhype every single guy that they pick because we know they're not. Yeah, all we're doing out, that. But, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I think that's. I think you know, whatever. I mean, I think that's yeah, part of the post draft yeah. process too. Like, figure out why they liked him. Figure out how he fits. Like, they're not yeah. picking guys that they think are going to be waste of roster spots. Of so there's something there. Um, but two seventeen, I'm pretty intrigued by James Houston. Yeah. Uh, from Jackson State. He was an inside linebacker at Florida. He played, yep. moved around quite a bit at Jackson State, too, but played edge for them as just like a light, ultra athletic, you know, edge guy. And you watch him. I don't know. Again, I don't know how much people have watched all these prospects, but if you watched him a little bit, you can see why Aaron Glenn would like him, certainly as a blitzer, mm-hmm. uh, someone who could uh, just give him some different looks. Like, I think there's some. Some of the stuff we've seen him do with Julian Okora is in that game. I, I'm really intrigued to see what he's going to look like once he gets in here. Yeah, he's your pass rush guy. Like we talk about, um, you know, can Hutchinson develop into a big, you know, high end pass rush guy? We'll, we'll see. But like this is that's why you draft this guy. He was, I mean, he's the guy with all the traits and all the, you know, the length and the speed and the stuff off the edge that you know he was he was out of position that he found his right spot. Like so many guys that we're seeing come out now that. Again, can probably maybe uh, if you if you build him right, can do a couple different things for you. Can play a couple different spots, and if you change your defense over time, can still you know provide value and doesn't have to come in and be a guy who gets it right away. You can wait, and like you mentioned, Julian Okora for for him is a good comp there. Like I really liked how they handled him last year, right? Like I think about that a lot. Like they didn't overwhelm Julian Okora. They didn't throw a ton at him. They gave him. You know, I know he had some injuries and things that he works through, but they I they gave him good roles and good packages and good like, you know, when we're in this situation, Julian, you're in for this or you're this is part of I could see that being something with with Houston next year where he's a package player or, you know, if you're situationally and you could think back to all the times that we talked about where the Lions lost games last year because it's third and 12 and they can't get off the field. You know, like that sort of thing or fourth and seven. They can't get off the field like these are guys that now maybe can help you in those situations. So yeah, another really good athlete and um, a Dion guy, right? Dion was bad at the lions. Is this right, Chris? Did we see this? I don't know why. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't use the Jackson state highlights. But wasn't it determined that this was Dion's fault, that it wasn't the lion's fault that they didn't (laughs) use the Jackson state things or whatever. I I believe the story we got was that they, yeah, the highlights weren't cleared quickly enough. Dion, calm down. God, just be happy for the guy that got drafted, crying out loud. Anyway, really good player. And Jackson State's got a ton of them. That's Deion's team is fun to watch. Maybe he should just Well, I read something to too that guys. <laughs> yeah, Dion um when he was on I think it was like a Rich Eisen show interview at some point. Yeah. Said that he you know, because uh Houston was at Florida, he was playing inside linebacker, yes. and Dion told him to come play edge. And right. be like a Micah Parsons for them. That was the comp he used for him. Like that's what <laughs> that's Micah so Parsons smart. did. That's and so come smart. play that. And I think, yeah, he had sixteen sacks last year. Now you've had him play. Ugh. He's played for Florida. He's a Florida kid. He's played for a guy who now was in the league forever. He knows the NFL. I, I love mean, it, man. Dion should be coaching at a bigger school than Jackson yeah. State. Oh like, God. let's be clear. And I just railed on him, and he's got some things that, you know, it's Dion, of course. <laughs> but that is so, yeah, I mean, I read this. It's so smart. And you, there's so yeah. many guys that are at that Jackson State program that are doing that, that they found and changed and just a little this, a little that, and poof. Now they're in the NFL, and it's like, hey, imagine that. A guy that played in the league for 20 years and is a Hall of Famer knows how football works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So last anyway, pick. Yeah. Last pick for the Lions. I got. <laughs> let me give you a little uh, war- media room insight. Okay. When the Lions traded. Oh God! Yes. That's right. uh, pick what did they trade so what was the trade they had 181 i think right and they traded yeah. it for two 187 something. and one whatever the numbers were 188 and two, 237 just a universal groan that the lions were back on the clock in round seven because everyone thought we were done after the round six comp pick uh just added a little bit of extra time to the day but in the round seven pick they take Chase Lucas from Arizona State. We talked about maybe needing a cornerback. Uh, Holmes talked about him as maybe being an inside-outside guy. I guess we'll see. I mean, it's round seven. Yeah. You throw a dart. He's played a ton, he and he's did. 25. Yeah. He was in college for six years, so he's going to have to – this is going to have to be pretty quick, but uh, maybe. I mean, maybe – we saw last year. It doesn't hurt to have some bodies there, and I think this is probably no. just – adding some depth at that position. I don't think he's coming in and, and pushing anyone for a starting job. And I love the reason why I like the pick. The only reason I would say, because you're, you're right. It's a dart throw <laughs> at this point, but like the, the biggest reason I, I, not the only, the biggest reason I should say not to, not to knock on the guy or whatever, but because it's, it's that he is 25 and he has played in college for a hundred years and he's going into a room of the deve- developmental players who are all sort of like, still learning and growing and at a very, very, very important stage of their like, you know, career as players. And I just think it's very important to keep guys that are mature and, you know, they're, they're, he's going to work, you know, like that's, I just, that's all I could think when I look at, we know the profile of a guy like that and they bring him in and it's the seventh round and it's like, well, maybe it doesn't work out, but I mean, like at least in the room, it's going to be good. He's going to work and he's going to be a good you know, partner to work with for Okuda and all these other guys. And like, that's important on NFL teams. And we don't talk about it a lot, but when you get into camp and we've seen, we've seen shitty teams in camp and we've, te- we've seen teams that are there to work and the teams that are there to work usually have guys that are dying to be on the roster or find a way. And the teams that don't are the ones that are like, whatever, I don't care. I'm here anyway. The Lions don't have a lot of the, whatever, I don't care. I'm here anyway, guys. They, they've done a nice job. I think of, bringing in guys that are dying to be on a roster. And this is another addition to that or example of that, I should say. And I, I would say just on the point we were just talking about with uh, Dion, mm-hmm. Chase Lucas was at Arizona state, which is yeah. Herm Edwards. Herm's and guy. Yeah. Who, uh, who's the, oh God. Um, of course here. There was another, it's another NFL coach. NFL You're right. Guy, I can't think right? of it off the top of my head. Uh, You're right. Yeah. I got to look it up. Yeah. Probably but Herm typing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is another guy, Marvin Lewis, right? Yeah, Lewis? Marvin Lewis. Marvin Shit, Lewis. that's right. Not yeah. the defensive coordinator, God. but there as a coach. And now he's Brian, there. Yeah, right. Brian Billick's there too now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they've got guys on that staff who will get you ready to play in the NFL. Yeah. So yeah. that's know what it takes. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna take a guy in round seven, exactly. you may as well get someone exactly. who's had a taste of it. And exactly, you're not playing six years. For Herman Edwards, if you're not a dog who can who likes football, okay, like that's not going to happen. So, like when I see that, I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's good value. I don't care if he can play. If even if he's coming in and helping the other guys kind of grow, like they do a good job with that. I think that that's a, all the little things tie together, and that's why I think you saw a lot of people say objectively, like this is a really good draft for the Lions for what they need right now on all levels. You just can't really nitpick and find a lot of, like people could complain about the quarterback thing, I guess. But like we talked about the whole time, like they didn't need to do that. They didn't need to do anything really 
other than just get good players who are not going to hurt them or not going to, you know, derail or complicate their growth. And they've only added value in those areas, I think, uh, this week. And I think it'll start to show up when they get back and you see everybody on the field. So, yeah, you mentioned the quarterbacks. We're all over an hour here, so I don't want to drag it out. But just a couple of little quick ones here before we get to final thoughts. Were you surprised at all that they didn't take a quarterback? It didn't really line up a whole lot of spots, but mm-hmm. uh, some of those, you know, everyone but Kenny Pickett fell in yeah. round two, round three, round four. So were you surprised there? And then do you have any uh, UDFA, the undrafted guys, anyone on that list yeah. that you think is interesting? A little, I guess, surprised, I guess, like anybody else would be because Willis was still there in the third. You know, I did wonder if that maybe would have changed um, their math, but I guess Holmes said that that's about where they had him. So when he said that, then it's not surprising. Then that means that there really wasn't anybody here that, you know, that they loved or were dying to get. And we hadn't heard that, frankly. I mean, I we had not. I think we would have heard. <laughs> You know what I mean? If there was a, we'd heard they want to trade that 32nd pick to a team that wants a quarterback, you know, because they know that they can do that or that's something that they are going to entertain because they think that other teams maybe think they want a quarterback, you know, whatever. So, um, not surprising. And I didn't think they needed to do it. Um, I wouldn't have hated it if they did it. Like if they take Willis there in the third, I, you know, you, you stash him and you go forward. I actually love where he went. That's a great fit for him. Um, I think that'll work out really well, but I don't hate it. And I think you look at next year's board. And we've chatted about that a little bit. It's a lot better on the quarterback front. And um, they're going to have company on the whole, like, if they don't end up with a terrible record and have a great pick, they're going to have company on the whole idea of packaging your picks and trading up. A lot of teams, I think, are going to try that. But they will have the assets to do it. So I don't mind it at all. I don't mind it. If they didn't do that, you let Goff play the year out and be... You know, without having to look over his shoulder, say to him, play your best football, your absolute best football without worrying about anything else, and let's see what happens. And I think that that's not a bad way to go into the season. Yeah, um, I would agree. I mean, I think the board sort of, like you said, it was interesting to see the quarterback still there in round three. But once they picked at 46 and took Pascal, like, yeah, they didn't go on the clock again until... 97 so you would have had to make a move up for a quarterback like you said I don't think Holmes certainly didn't sound enamored with a whole lot of them no. maybe if maybe if it had fallen to 177 and like well sure yeah like I think uh like Howell went 144 and Zappy went in there somewhere See, but like those guys I wonder if they were even on the board like I, yeah, I don't even right, know if that, you know right. what I mean I mean just personally I would have liked even in the undrafted ranks I would have liked to see them bring in like yeah, Literally that was anyone who's exciting, but uh, but you know, yeah. I somebody asked me that the other day, and I was like, you know, I always golf's confidence is such a <laughs> was such a yeah, fragile thing last I year. I you know, let him just play and make your judgment at the end. I don't hate it. Let him just go, and if Boyle's the guy you want to develop behind him, fine. Yeah. Next year, though, <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about quarterback. Like you can't do this for very much longer. But yes, yeah. I don't hate it. As much I mean, as I, some people. I just mean like I would like the Keel Glass kid yes. from Alabama A and M. Because there were a lot of guys. There were a lot of guys. Someone yeah, intro, right. like Ellaby from Western. Someone, give me mm-hmm. someone. Uh, I agree. I agree. So, um, and then like I said, the undrafted names. It's not we. We were talking before we started about how the Cowboys got like a second draft class. The Lions didn't <laughs> it's like exactly better than do their that. Actual draft class. And the Lions only had four roster spots to use, so a lot of these guys that they brought in anyway are just going to mm-hmm. be, you know, rookie camp tryouts, but um, 
Anyone of note there for you? Yeah, the two linemen, um, Abina Ize, is did we, we easy or Ize? I can't remember. No, we, Ize, we, yeah. we, we sorted this before we started, and I've already forgotten. <laughs> I forget <what> that <clears throat> but he's a nice player, um, and I think he has a chance. And then Kevin Jarvis from Michigan State um, also, you know, those are all the guys they signed there, you know, like Pippleton from Central are guys that we talked about. Like, they're probably practice squad guys that, you know, long-term, who see, you know, we'll see. But those two linemen, I think, are the guys that I looked at that, of all the guys there that maybe would have a chance to, you know, depending on how things shake out, maybe even fill a need, you know, because they didn't draft, you know, that's, you know, they still need depth there on the inside. And, you know, Jarvis was a guard, should have been a guard at Michigan State that had to play tackle because of need, but, you know, will be a better guard in the NFL. We see so many guys like that come out now um, over and over. You know, John Runyon is playing, I think, still with the Packers, right? Um, and he's a guy that was very much like that in college. So, I think of Jarvis like that. I think he has a chance. I wouldn't be shocked if it if he's healthy and everything else. And then Isaiah is sort of the same thing. But the rest of the guys felt like practice squad guys to me. I don't know. Would you? Would you, I know Pimpleton's a guy everybody was excited about yeah. when we signed him. Um, yeah, I really like Pimpleton. I mean, he's going to remind people of Khalif Raymond probably. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's going to get some punt return looks for them. He yeah, he's pretty dynamic in that regard for Central. He played. And it's sort of like Khalif Raymond, I guess. Like he would play outside at five seven right. one seventy, yeah, right. <laughs> just get yep. open because he was so shifty and so quick inside. So I think, yeah, like if you could stash him, and then Khalif's mm-hmm. not here next year, and like you have right, an open, exactly. like maybe. I mean, I'd I'd certainly think he's more exciting uh, at this moment to me than like Tom Kennedy. Um, so yes, great point, great point. Uh, so that yeah, I mean that hey, was up, an interesting upgrade. One. <laughs> you mentioned Isaiah Jarvis, uh, Greg Bell, the running back from San Diego State, and Derek Deese, the tight end from San Jose State, I believe are the four that they gave like actual contracts to. Those yeah. They had four spots, and uh, they haven't announced their full class yet, so some of this is always fluid. Like guys will right. tryouts and such. Tryouts and then go get a contract somewhere else. Um, so, But those were the – Demetrius Taylor from App State played for five years, had like mm-hmm. 100 tackles for a loss, so he could be interesting in that mix there. But Deese is uh, – the San Jose State tight end had a really good year last year. He actually is um, – kind of reminds me in some ways of James Mitchell. Like it's, it's – Yeah, sort of okay, like interesting. Tall and, tall and long and – Bendy, uh, yeah. Can go, can go catch the ball and, and can put some pressure on linebackers downfield and you kind of – Need to wait and see what the blocking is going to be, but I think uh, in terms of just like the body type and and what he can do, that mm-hmm. might look similar uh, to James Mitchell for folks. So uh, that's one certainly I think would be interesting. Yeah, Pimpleton. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there's <laughs> that many other guys. Yeah, the it's not. It's not as here, full, it's not as full, but like in terms of real need there, you know, like that those two tackles or the two guards, whatever you know, yeah. linemen, I guess would be the yep. two. All right, uh, we t- I guess we sort of did this at the start when we talked about our uh, initial reactions, but final thoughts on this class and sort of what it means moving forward here um, yeah. for the roster and the depth chart. What's I guess, What else do they need to do in the next three, four months, and then how much does this class impact things moving forward? Well, I think that first things first, this class is your foundation um, for the rebuild. Like this is the – and like I said it on Twitter, you know, when they – the first pick they made as a as a – group was Panay Sewell and that's their first anchor. Um, and that's your offensive anchor pillar, whatever. And then Aiden Hutchinson is your defensive version of that. And now you build everything around those guys and that's your personality and that's who you are and you fill it out. So 
the answer to what do they do in the next couple months is they get all the guys that they've invested the last two years in, you know, they get their plans ready, they get them in, and then you just start developing. And next year, as you get better every week, the next big question here becomes you got to go find a quarterback because you're you're starting to see the, you know, they're going to have a team, I think. I think, you know, barring like some disasters and injuries and things like this, of course, that you never want to see, they're in good shape. They have a nice framework here, right? Like they have a good chance to have a good team, I should say. Um so I think you're, it's about just continuing to get better and just highlighting opportunities for all the guys that you've invested these picks in. These young guys that have these futures um, that we know that have these traits that are so special. Uh, you know, get them in the right spot and let's see what happens. And then, you know, as you get better, you know, throughout the year, the question has to pivot toward now we get more serious about is this the quarterback that's going to take you to the next level? Because it has to be. The answer has, you know, you have to weigh next year's draft, draft class and everything else. And then you start to, maybe you're more aggressive with what you offer for a Debo Samuel or someone like that next time. You know what I mean? So that's that was my reaction to this one. But this draft had to be good. We knew that going in because it's got to serve as like, I almost look at it as like the first full recruiting class for a new college coach. Like the first class the college coach always gets is like haphazard and put together because he's up to his eyeballs in water and everything else that's going on. The second one, he's had a full year to get his feet under him and develop and see everything that they need and all the areas that you and I can't see. And, you know, that class is the foundation. So for me, that's what this class needs to be. And I think that they've uh, given themselves a chance to have that. But I asked you the same thing here. What were your thoughts overall on the uh, final date, year two uh, draft of Campbell and Holmes? Well, I will mention that one of your other predictions is that Hutchinson and Sewell are going to get in a fight oh, yes. in like four minutes of yeah. training camp opening. Right away. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> or Hutchinson and Decker or someone. someone and, then, and then they'll have beers afterward. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think some some of that is what Brad Holmes and I <coughs> talked about when I sat down with him before the draft, that the you know, the 2021 class was basically him just trying to piece things together and probably was more him than the rest of the group and now this year mm-hmm. was they've got their system in place and they've got their grades in place and they know what they're doing and so now this is starting to roll the way they want it to roll and I think as he said next year should be even smoother for them so yeah I mean I I like the class overall we talked about a lot of these pieces fitting in and how they work and everything and you could see I think you can see why they made each pick that they made that's really all you can ask for like i said we always sound positive after these drafts because we're trying to do like give them the benefit of the doubt because they know players as much as we watch they know players better than we know players and so you try to figure out what they see and how they seem fitting and but i think you can really you don't have to squint hard to do that with Mm -hmm. all the guys that they picked right like it all makes sense and you can see the vision for it so um the golf points interesting because uh, you got a lot of weapons. On yeah, it's that better offense. now. It's better a pretty now. Pretty right? good yeah. line, and mm-hmm. so if it doesn't click this year for Goff, uh, yeah, that's a problem. But I think it's also interesting to go the other. What if he plays the entire year like he did the second half of this year? Right, this past year. What if he does? That's pretty I, interesting I, too. <laughs> that's why. That's why when you said and people have brought that up about why why not bring in a a guy a UDFA with a chance? Okay, well I get that, but let's just see here. And then make the decision, right? Let's just 
Let him go. Here the guy. You're the guy on the your your face is on the stadium wall, right? <laughs> and now it's for real. It's not just manufactured or whatever. You're the only guy here. So just go do it. And we'll see what happens afterward. I think that and you've got you've got guys now to throw to. Right? Jamison Williams is not a bum. Amon Ross St. Brown is good. Chark is not a bum. TJ's good. Like, you know, and this is one of the best young offensive lines in football. Maybe go figure it out, Jared. Like, that's probably what I would say to him, and I think that's fair to say. So, yeah, very interesting, indeed. All right, so we, uh, as Nick mentioned, there's about a thousand stories on the site. If you haven't gotten through them all, you can go back and read up on the draft class. We're still uh, we're still working through this Lions draft. We'll have some more up for you, breaking class down and getting into undrafted stuff and then whatever else comes after that. We'll, so make sure you get to theathletic.com, get a subscription if you still haven't yet. You can get this the podcast ad-free on the app. You can also find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. So thanks for listening. Thanks for following us through the entire draft season. It should quiet down here for a little bit before we get rolling again. But uh, we do appreciate everyone who's subscribed and listened and read and joined us on the live rooms and all that. So uh, for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you again soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.